Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I tell you, I'm really encouraged. We are in a message series we started last week, and we're talking about the promises of God, the promises that are in God's Word and standing on the promises uh, of God's Word. And, uh, and I just really encourage as I continue just to, to prepare and study for these messages and just uh, say, Lord, what do, you, what do you have for us? And uh, so we're we in week two today. Uh, and uh, last week we talked about the fact that in God's Word, there's over 7,000 promises in God's Word. 7,000 promises. God's here to make promises to everybody. He, he loved to make promises. And, uh, but how many of you know that a lot of people like to make promises, but they don't always keep them, right? But the Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Now we yeah, I mean, that's something to celebrate. Now, some of those promises are, are unconditional. They are things that, that God does. They are things that he said he would do, and, and it's up to him to do it. He, he carries it out, and he does it. One of those is salvation. He promised that Jesus Christ would come. He promised us salvation, and he fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He rose again. And salvation is something that not only he promised, but also that he delivered. And again, the only way that we, the way that we take hold of that promise that he made and kept is through believing through believing. And we talked last week about how there's an example of this as God had promised the Israelites a, a, a promised land. He promised they were in slavery in Egypt 400 years. He had made that promise to Abraham. He'd made that promise to Isaac. He'd made that promise to Jacob. For generations, he had made that promise, and there was not a condition. He was going to bring it, back, bring it about. And after 400 years, he did it by his power, by his might. He delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and then he took them, and he brought them into his presence on the mountain of the Lord. He gave them his commands, and he set up and established how the government would work, how they could follow follow him. He led them to the edge of the promised land. They sent out spies. He showed them the promised land. Ten of the spies came back and said, there's no way, there is no way God can, can do this for us. They're just too big. We, we can't do it. There were two that said, yes, God said he will do it. He will do it. He did it again. Egypt, he'll do it again. Just trust the Lord. But they were held back in the wilderness, not because God wasn't able to fulfill his promise and not because later on he didn't do it. They were held back because of their unbelief. And when it comes to the unconditional promises of God, things like salvation, the only thing that holds us back from receiving the promise of God is unbelief. When we refuse to trust and take God at his word. There are also conditional promises in his word that have a lot to do with faith. They still have a lot to do with faith. They have a lot to do with trusting in the Lord. The conditional promises are ones that say, if you do this, I will do this. And sometimes we get mad at God and we say, why aren't you doing it? And he says, well, I'd like to, but your disobedience, your unwillingness to trust me, your unwillingness to obey me is keeping me from being able to honor my promise to you. It's not that I'm not able to. It's not that I can't. It's not that, that I won't. But you're lacking in obedience. You're lacking in trusting me. 
Now, when we talk about the promises of God and we talk about Israel, we know that there was a period of time when they were in Egypt that I referred to where there were 400 years and they were waiting on God to fulfill his promise. How many of you know that when there's a promise that is made, oftentimes there is a waiting period? God has a promise for your future. God has a promise for your life. But oftentimes there is a waiting period before that promise is fulfilled in our lives. And those waiting periods are really hard for us. Now, when I talk about and, and, and take a look at this, one of the things that, that in a season of waiting that I see is, is later on, the Israelites had, had disobeyed God. The Israelites were, 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 were supposed to be serving God. This was after King David was king, and, and, and they had different kings that came in. The kingdom was split up, and many times they stopped trusting in God. They started worshiping other idols, and after a period of time, God allowed them to go into exile under a foreign nation called Babylon. And he took away the best and the brightest, and they began, they were exiled in the land of Babylon, in a land that was not there, serving a king who was not their king. And yet they were forced to live under that as a part of God's punishment to them, as a part of God's judgment, because they turned their back on God. And in that time of exile, in that time, God begins to speak a promise over them. And it's a promise, oftentimes, that's one of the most famous promises that we like to quote as believers. From the Old Testament, found in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. How many, as soon as I say that, you know where I'm going with this. Here's a promise. This is a promise made to Israel when they were in captivity about their future. And it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I love this promise. I have quoted this promise. I have stood on this promise. This is a, a, a good promise. But again, it was a promise that was made to Israel during their captivity when he was reminding them about the future. Listen, don't get discouraged about where you're at right now, for this is not where you will always be, for I have a plan for you. And my plans for you are good. My plans for you are not to harm you. My plans for you are are to prosper you. Now, we live in America, and when we hear the word prosper, we think economic, when we live, when we think about prosper, we think about financial prosperity. Now, you're not going to hear a prosperity gospel today, all right? I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. Because to prosper is so much more than just an economic prosperity. It's so much more than that. In fact, I really believe that when God is talking about prosperity, what he's talking about is fruitfulness, that I want to make you fruitful. You see, because this was a promise in God's word all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve when he had first made them and created them. He said, listen, I want you to go and I want you to bear much fruit. Multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. God desires fruitfulness out of our lives. In fact, the enemy is a thief, Jesus says, who comes to steal, who comes to kill, who comes to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. God desires abundant life. But what does that look like? It's talking about fruitfulness and living a life where we bear fruit to the glory of God. God has uniquely designed us in his own image that we might bear fruit. But in bearing fruit, we have an idea where we get a picture, an illustration of kind of a a farming or a gardening illustration. And how many know that there are seasons of harvest and seasons of fruitfulness, but there are other seasons involved in that? 
when we're talking about the promises of God and the promises of fruitfulness, we can't we can't just say, oh, it's always going to be a season of harvest and a season where we're always seeing fruit. Sometimes there's a season of rest. Sometimes there's a season of sowing. Sowing where you do not see what's happening, where the fruitfulness is not there, but you're waiting on a promise that fruitfulness is going to come, and so you continue to do the things that you know to do that will bring about the fruitfulness that has been promised. But are you tracking with me? God has created every one of us with a purpose and a plan for our lives, but there are seasons, and there are seasons where we're waiting on that plan to come about. Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's what David wrote. I love Psalm 139. That's the one that starts out with, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that, that's the promise. That in Ephesians 2.10, Paul said it like this, that we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. His masterpiece, his workmanship, as another translation of the Greek says. It's really the Greek, Greek word poema, where we get the word poem. You're, you're, you are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece, created in his image, and he's got a plan and a purpose, and he's got a promise for your future. And today I want to look at the promise of future that God has designed for us, specifically more so to do with the process that's involved in obtaining the promise. Because God has a promise for your future, but oftentimes we don't experience the promise until we go through the process. We don't experience the promise until we go through the process. And, and, and the, one of my favorite verses that has a promise to it, the promise that I want to focus on today, and also we're going to look at the life of David, uh, the early part of his life as it relates, is Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. There's a promise in this book. The promise in this verse is, is that God will guide you and will make your path straight. In fact, when I look at the New Living Translation, I like what it, it says, or the, the latter part of it says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. How many know there's a lot of different paths in life? There's a lot of different choices. There's a lot of different paths that come up. And there are choices that come, in, come up in our lives that put us at a crossroad. Are we going to take this path or are we going to take this path? Which path are we going to take? There's a lot of paths in our lives, but this is a promise that the Lord will make straight your path. The Lord will guide your path. The Lord will show you which path to take. God has promised you, but here's what Deuteronomy 30, 19, today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth as a witness to the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Again, life is filled with choices. God desires for us to experience an abundant life, a full life. But there are a lot of choices along the way and a lot of paths along the way that, that can take us out of, the, out of the promise from receiving the promises of God. There's a lot of choices that can take us off course. God says, listen, I promised something to you, but you've got to trust me. 
You've got to trust me. Look at this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has a promise to it. And the promise, I will direct your steps. I will make your path straight. I will show you what path to take. But what are the steps involved? What are the conditions involved to us taking the right path, to us following the right path? What is the process that's involved? And I want to take a look because there are three things in this, in this verse that, that, that precede the promise. There are three things that precede the promise. There are three truths that precede the promise. And we're going to look at the life of David at the beginning of the Old Testament to see it. The first, the first in the process is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're going to trust the Lord, right? And we're, going to, we're going to take the right path that's going to lead to the promise that God has for our future, that God has for us. We've got to begin by trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. It's a critical step of faith. Trusting in the Lord to lead and guide our lives, discovering is, is where we begin. It's the starting point of discovering the future that he has for us. And the truth about God's promises for our future plan is, the, is that they stay in the future. <laughs> They're not something that God gives us right away. There, there's a season of waiting and there's a process of walking in his steps that require us to trust him. Now again, let's take a look at David and the life of David, all right? Let's, let's let him, we're going to do an overview, a real quick overview of his life as we walk through this together. In the first part where we see the story beginning with David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, God has, has rejected the current king Saul. Saul had disobeyed. Saul had stopped trusting in the Lord multiple times. Saul just stepped out on his own and stopped trusting in the Lord, started taking a different path, and as a result, God spoke to Samuel and said, I'm done with Saul. Go and anoint another king. Go and anoint another king. In fact, 1 Samuel 16, 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way, for I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. See, God had chosen a new king, a new path for one of Jesse's sons. And in kind of an undercover fashion, see, Samuel is concerned. If Saul finds out that he's going to anoint another king, then Saul's going to go after him. Saul will go after him. Saul, he already knows there's jealousy in Saul's heart. There's a desire for Saul to look good in the eyes of the people. He's already seen that over and over, and he understands that this is a dangerous mission. And so undercover, under the guise of offering a sacrifice to the Lord, Samuel begins to go to the house of Jesse. And there he begins to, to look at Jesse's sons, and he has his eye on one in particular, one that is the oldest. His name is Eliab, and he goes, man, if there's ever a king, that's the guy that looks like the picture of the king. Man, that's the guy that he's first in line. He'll have his father's inheritance. He's probably a good-looking guy. I mean, he's probably been playing football at, at, at Bethlehem High School. He's probably an all-star in the all-Judean team. You know what I'm talking about? He's not an XFLer. I mean, he's going Division One right there. That's the kind of guy we need to lead. There are some of you that went way over your head because you have know nothing about football. All right, that's okay. That's okay. But God has something else in mind. And we know this verse, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Remember the verse? He's going to guide our paths, make our paths straight. But what is it? Trust in the Lord with all your, What? Heart. What is the Lord looking at? He's looking at our heart. 
He's looking at our heart. He's wanting a people that, that he sees. I'm willing to trust the Lord with all of my heart. Just like when they said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, you've heard the phrase, my heart's just not in it. My heart's just not in it. Oh, I'll do it, but my heart's just not in it. Listen, God is just not looking for just obedience for the sake of, oh, that's what I'm going to do. He's looking for a people who say, Lord, I want your heart. I want to trust you with all my heart. Lord, here's my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the Lord said, you know what, I, he's not the one that I've selected. There's somebody else. So all the sons begin to pass by one after another after another. And each one, God says, nope, nope. Nope, no, no, no. Finally gets to the end, and Samuel says to Jesse, I'm really confused here. Do you have any other sons? Is this all there is? Do you have any other sons? And, 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 and this is the response in 1 Samuel 16, 11. This is how Jesse answered. There is still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. So Samuel said, send for him. We're not going to sit down until he arrives. Send for him. Why is he out there? Now, now here's... This is something really important I want you to get. I want you to see this, all right? I want, I want you to get this. David wasn't even present when Samuel arrived. So God has a promise. God's got a plan, and that plan involves David. But when Samuel shows up to where God had told him to show up, David wasn't there. David was too unimportant. David was too small in the eyes of his family to even bring him in when the prophet Samuel, the famous prophet Samuel, was coming to the house, going to offer a sacrifice, which meant a feast at a time of worship. David wasn't even important enough to be able to be invited to the feast. And although David might not have been important enough and might not have been on everybody else's mind, God had not forgotten him. I want you to know something. When you begin to trust in the Lord with all your heart, if God's got a plan for your life, it doesn't matter how behind or under the radar you are. It doesn't matter if everybody else thinks you're unimportant. It doesn't matter if nobody thinks you're the right person for the job, if nobody thinks you're the right person for it, if nobody else is considering you. If God is considering you, God will make the appointment happen. He'll make the appointment happen. And when David arrives, the Lord tells Samuel, this is the one. This is the one. I want you to anoint him. Isn't this a powerful moment? Man, anoint him. He is the one. Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. He's been anointed to be the next king. Here's what we do from here, all right? We begin to gather everybody around. We tell everybody, we're going to have a coup, and we're going to go in, and we're kicking Saul out, and David is going to be king. But how many remember the story? That's not what happened. You know what happened after David gets anointed king? He went back out and took care of the sheep. He didn't go to the palace. He didn't assume the throne. He continued being faithful exactly where he was found. Listen, when God has a plan for you, it may not be that it comes about right away. He may speak something into your heart. He may promise something in your spirit. There may be something that is spoken over you in, in a prophetic way, and it might be something that's there. But listen, it, it, just because it hasn't come about, just because it doesn't happen immediately does not mean that it's not the Lord. Oftentimes, there's a process that is involved before we receive the promise. And God says, listen, I'm going to teach you how to trust me. You just be faithful right where you're at. 
you be faithful right where you're at. There was this, there was this anointing. But there was a season of waiting and a season of faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and his process even when it seems like he's leading you nowhere. Even like, because there's times where you're like, Lord, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you're leading me nowhere. Yeah, I'm not, you're not leading me anywhere. I, I, I don't understand. What are, you, what are you doing? And we can get so impatient. But David went back to tending sheep. He went back to being a nobody. He went back to tending sheep. But that's trusting in the Lord. When I think about processes, I'm reminded the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. The tree begins as a nut is planted in the soil, and it must be watered and fertilized every single day for five years before it finally breaks through the ground. All that time, it is spreading out its roots. And if at any time the watering or fertilization stops, the Chinese bamboo tree will die right in the ground. But in that fifth year, here's what happens. The Chinese bamboo tree, it, it, it does, it, it finally begins to break through the ground. And it grows nearly 90 feet tall in just six weeks. In six weeks, it's there. Boom! 90 feet tall, nothing for five years, nothing for five years, nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, but it's the faithfulness, the faithfulness, the faithfulness of watering and fertilizing, going, I know what's coming. I know what's been promised. I don't see it. I can't see the surface, but underneath, I know that there is a root system that is growing that's going to be able to support the height of that tree that's going to be able to support that tree through thick and thin. And you know what? There are times where God makes a promise to us, and it's exciting, but we're not ready for it. We're not ready for it. We don't have enough to support. And if we were to be put in the position that God had promised in our future, if we had been put in that position right away, we would, we would fall right over. It would be too much for us to handle. And God says there's a promise before the, there's a process before the promise. There's a process, there's a time of preparation where David begins to learn how to trust in the Lord. And so he remains faithful as a shepherd. And there he learns to trust the Lord for protection. For there when a lion shows up and tries to take one of the sheep, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David. And David gets a hold of that lion and he says, no, 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 you can't take the sheep. There's another time when David's out in the field and all of a sudden there's a bear that comes and David is like, uh-uh, I might be a little shepherd boy. But the Spirit of God begins to come and David learns about the Lord's protection and learns how to trust the Lord and learns how to have a courage that nobody else has because one day the Lord's going to bring him up to feed lunch to his brothers and there's going to be a, a big giant by the name of Goliath It's going to mock the armies of Israel. But you see, David has been, he's been in a place where nobody else is watching, but God's been preparing his heart because he's been faithful to trust in the Lord. And while he's been faithful to trust in the Lord and taking care of the sheep, God's been preparing his heart to say, oh, I'll protect you. Oh, for my glory, I'll protect you. I, I can watch over you. That lion might be too big. That bear might be too big. But watch what, watch what I can do when you trust me. You see, the Goliath moment wouldn't have happened unless he was taking care of the sheep. Unless he was faithful, even after he was anointed, he was faithful to take care of the sheep. David began to learn not only about the Lord's protection, but he learned how to enjoy the Lord's presence. You see, while he was out tending the sheep, David would play his harp. 
David would begin to sing psalms unto the Lord, begin to sing songs unto the Lord. He'd begin to, to learn how to value the presence of the Lord when nobody else was there before there was ever a stage, before there was ever a platform. David is just out in the field, and he's learning how to enjoy the presence of the Lord. And, and you know how I know that? Because when Saul is being tortured later on by, a, by an evil spirit, he can't be calm. He's just all upset, and he, he can't get it. Somebody says, you know what? There's this boy I hear. Man, he plays a pretty mean harp. The Spirit of God is on him. And when he prays, there's a pre when he plays, there's a, there's a presence of the Lord. And so they bring David in. And every time David would play that harp, the, the evil spirit would call him and there'd be peace that would come. Because David learned in the private. David learned behind the scenes. David learned in the faithfulness. David learned in the process of how to, how to welcome and how to enjoy the presence of the Lord. There are too many times where we want something. But we haven't gone through the preparation or the process. We're not trusting in the Lord with all our heart. We're, we're trying to manufacture. We're trying to get something going. We're all stirred up in our spirit. I'm trying this. I'm trying that. I'm doing this. I'm trying that. And God says, I want you just to be faithful. I want you just to be faithful. You want to preach? You know, why don't you go set up chairs for the youth ministry? Why don't you clean some bathrooms? I don't want to do that. I want to I lead worship on the worship team. Why don't you find a place to serve first? It's about the heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's a process. There's a plot process that's involved. Secondly, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. So we trust in the Lord with all our heart. But then here's the second part of it. Don't lean on your own. They kind of go together, but they don't. Lean on, don't lean on your own understanding. Listen, when we, when we take a look at this, the problem is when we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting, there's a danger that says, i got to try to figure this out. There's, there's got to be something to figure out here. There's got to be something I need to do. There's got to be something else. I, I don't know about this waiting thing. I mean, I've been faithful. I'm faithful. I just, I don't understand. And sometimes we, we start looking at situations and we want to take some matters into our own hands. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We go back to David. David defeated Goliath, man, he, he, because he was in prep. And then he comes, and, and, and we know the story. He defeated Goliath. And, man, he is just, man, there is just something there. And then he begins to take over, and he leads the armies, and he's, he's destroying the Philippines. Or the Philistines, not the Philippines. The Philistines. Boy, oh, boy. See that? That's what happens when you start going too fast. We're not talking about the Philippines. The Philistines. Philistines. They were the enemies of Israel. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and, and then Saul had promised that David in marriage to one of his daughters, and, and, uh, and, and so David marries Michael, Saul's daughter, and he becomes a son-in-law to the king. Do you see it? David's been anointed to be king. Oh, now he's a son-in-law to the king. He's in the family. You get it? He's in the family. Man, God, you are setting this up. And I don't know about you, but if it's me, I'm thinking, man, God, you've got a process. You've got to, you know what? Saul's going to die or something's going to happen. And his sons are going to say, oh, David, you're the one that needs to be king. And David's going to be king because David's in the family now. Right? Wrong. That's not what happens. Everybody else is recognizing the Spirit of God on David. Everybody else is recognizing the anointing, including Saul. And instead of Saul submitting to the anointing of God, Saul starts to fight against it, and he's jealous, and he starts to try to take David's life. He threatens his life. 
that, wait a minute, this is not how that is supposed to go. Yeah, this is not your promise. I know that, I know that there's an anointing, but how come I haven't seen the appointing? Right? There's the anointing. And so what, what goes on? Well, David is chased. David says, I'm getting out of here. He's best friends with, with, with Saul's son, Jonathan. And Jonathan won't believe his dad has ill will. And they do this little test. And then they realize. And so Jonathan even says, David, you got to get out of here. So David flees. He, he leaves everything. He flees. And he's hiding out in caves. And he's being chased. Saul's getting armies. And he's spreading all these lies against David that David's just out to overthrow him. And he's, he's got the people around. And we're going to go get David. We're going to go get David. And David's hiding out in these caves. And all of a sudden, these, these people start joining David. Those who are in distress and in debt, discontented, gathered around him. There's a whole bunch of you in here that would go, hey, that's me. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Some of you need to take some hope from this, right? Distress, in debt, discontented, and they make David their commander. About 400 men were with him. And, and, and so David begins to draw these people around, and, and then there's an opportunity that comes. All of a sudden, in one of the times where Saul is chasing David, he goes into a cave, and David and his men are hanging out in the back of this cave. They're trying to hide, and Saul comes into the very cave that they're at, but he doesn't know that they're in there. In fact, the reason he goes in is because he's got to go to the bathroom and relieve himself. I'm telling you, you got to get into Scripture, man. I'm telling you, there is a lot of stuff like this in Scripture. It is really fun. Some of you go, oh, the Bible is boring. You're just not reading the right stuff. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And they didn't have no bathroom, so Saul's trying to get in the way, you know. So he is, he is laid bare. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he is there. He one of the most vulnerable positions. And so David's men are like, hey, David, this is your opportunity. God has delivered Saul into your hands. He anointed you. You're to be the next king. Life has been miserable for you. And look, God has given you the opportunity, and now is the time. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. So what happened? First Samuel 24. We're just, we're just continuing to go through First Samuel here. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said to David, this day the Lord has spoke when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Listen, listen. Son, the day the Lord spoke to you, I'll give the enemy into your So in other words, David, there must have been some kind of a prophecy over David. There was something over David that said, I'm going to give your enemy into your hands. And his men are saying, this is it. This is the time. This is it. This is it. This is the moment. And so David cuts off a corner, and then David is cut to the heart. Why? Because he's trusting in the Lord with all his heart. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm not leaning on my own understanding of this situation. No, he's tempted. There's temptations to lean on our own understanding. There's temptations to take matters into our own hands. There's temptation to do some things, to seize the moment. But David says, no, 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 this is not the way it's going to go down. No, I'm cut to the heart. Why? Because I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart. And in this moment, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. 
There were two different times of temptation where this came. Another time, Saul and his men came, and they, they were put into a sleep. It says, by the Lord, put into a sleep. And, and one of David's men said, this is the time. This is the time. You got to take it. You didn't do it the last time, but the Lord's given you another opportunity. And David said, no, 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 no. I'm not touching the Lord's anointing. I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to rely on my own understanding, and I'm not going to take the matter into my hands and make it happen. You know, one of the things that hinders a lot of people is in their inability when they're trying to trust the Lord is, is they make a mistake, the anointing of God versus the appointing of God. I mentioned it earlier, but a lot of times we make the mistake of the anointing of God and the appointing of God. David had, had the anointing to be king, but he didn't have the appointment to be king. At that point, Saul still had the appointment to be king. Saul had also been anointed to be king. And David said, it's not my turn yet. I haven't been appointed yet. I've got to wait for God to appoint me. And there's a moment, there's a moment where, where you have that anointing and everybody can see it. You're just a better salesman than everybody else's. The, the presence and the anointing of God, you say, is that even biblical? Yeah, take a look at, take a look at Joseph, uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. Everywhere he went, he had the presence of the Lord when he was serving in the household of Potiphar. God's hand was on him, and, and everything in Potiphar's house, everything that he had under his control also benefited because of the anointing that was on Joseph's life. Because the Spirit of God was on his life. Same thing when it happened when he was in the jail. All of a sudden, he's falsely accused in jail. But it, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an anointing. There's a Spirit of God on his life. And as a result of that, even the jailer notices and begins to give him authority over it. Because there's a, there's a Spirit and there's an anointing on his life. But yet the promise that was on Joseph's life, the appointment, wasn't coming until God said it would come. And there's a problem. Some of us, you're anointed as a salesperson. Everybody can see it and they say, you know what, you got to be over everybody. And they start talking about that. Yet it hasn't been appointed yet. There hasn't been that pointing yet. Maybe you're a great singer, but, 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 but the, the appointing hasn't been there. You have great influence. You counsel. You lead. And other people see it. You're talented. And they say, man, you're, you're just being passed over. It isn't your time. What's going on? Listen, 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 listen. The anointing is not the same as the appointing. Don't rest on your own understanding. Trust God for the appointing. You begin to trust the Lord with all your heart because there's a process involved. And David refuses to put his hands on the Lord's anointed. He doesn't take matters into his own hands, but rather he waits on the Lord for the Lord to do what the Lord is going to do. Sometimes we get tunnel vision. You know what tunnel vision is? When we get so focused at the light at the end of the tunnel that we, 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 we miss what's going on in the surroundings. We miss what's happening around us. And we start tripping over things because we really can't see. Because all we're focused on is that. If you can't see what God's doing in and around you due to being too focused on your future dream, you can miss a lot of learning experience and opportunities along the way. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. And then here it is. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Man, when we're following the Lord, there's two traps we can fall into. Sometimes we get so good at what we're doing, we stop acknowledging and trusting in the Lord. That's called pride. That's called pride. You get so good with your own talent, with your own ability, you stop relying on the Spirit of God. You stop relying and trusting in God. You start trusting in your own 
abilities. Pride and self-sufficiency will keep us from following the plan that God has for us. The other is discouragement. The other is discouragement. And sometimes in these seasons of waiting where we're trusting in the Lord and we're saying, I'm not going to lean on my understanding. i got to seek the counsel of God. I'm not going to lean on my understanding. What does God's Word say? My understanding says this, but God's Word says this. I've got to trust in God's Word. But here's what happens when the, the appointing isn't happening, when the future, when the promise isn't coming. We have a tendency when the promise isn't coming to get discouraged. And, and, and the path of discouragement oftentimes leads us into a wilderness and doubt can begin to set in. And in these moments, we're tempted to take a different path. And following these two instances where David doesn't kill Saul when he has the opportunity, we see that Saul stops chasing David. Saul begins to put his attention back on the Philistines and what's happening with the other enemies. He stops chasing David. And David begins to say, well, now what? God hasn't done it yet. Now what? And what you see in David's life is David begins to go to the Philistines, and he goes to a king by the name of Achish, and he says, listen, I'll follow you. Saul hates me, so I'm not going there. I know you've been my enemy, but you know what? I'm going to pledge, me and my men, we're going to serve you. We're going to serve you. Can, you. can you give us a place? So in the land of the Philistines, what we see is Achish gives David and his men the land of Ziklag. Now they go out and they start raiding villages and, and they keep it real quiet. They don't let anybody know what's going on and they try to hide and they think they're raiding the Israelites and David is going to stink to the Israelites. He really wasn't doing that. He was going out to all these other areas because that's what he and his men did. But the problem is in these next couple of chapters, what we don't see is David ever acknowledging the Lord. We don't see him acknowledging the Lord. We don't see the Lord even brought up. In fact, 1 Samuel 27, 1, David thought to himself, one of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. There's discouragement in his voice. He's done with that whole anointing and the promise thing. I've given up on that promise. You know what? Saul's there. I've given up on that. I'm done with that. It's just not working out, Saul. Saul just keeps trying. You know what? There's got to be an easier way. I'm going to go over to the Philistines. I'm going to hang out there. Saul's going to give up. There's just got to be an easier way. But what's happening? in this discouragement. What's happening here in this time is that David has stopped trusting in the Lord. And one time there's a battle coming up with Israel and David goes to Achish and he goes, come on, put me in, coach. Right, I'm ready to play right today. Remember that song? No, he's like, I'm ready. But the problem is the commanders of, of Achish's army say, wait a minute, David's the one who used to like battle against us and everything. What happens? He gets in there, he wants to prove himself to, to Saul. He's going to be a part of this army, then we're going to go into battle. Then he's going to turn around, he's going to destroy us, and, and then he'll look good in Saul's eyes. David's got this scheming plan. He's not going with us. We are not having him on our team. We don't trust his loyalty. So now, not only being rejected by his own king, he's now rejected by the enemy king. David has nowhere to go, so he and his men go back to Ziklag. You talk about discouragement. His own people don't want him. The enemy doesn't want him. He can't find a team to be on. He and his, 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 he and his guys go back to Ziklag, and when they go back, here's what they find. That there's an Amalekite army that has come in, and they have taken captive and taken all the things. David's wives and, and, and all of his, his men, their wives are families. They've taken them captive. They've taken away. They burn Ziklag with fire. They go back. And guess what happens? The Bible says that David's men, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, each bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. 
So now even his own men have turned their back. How many know David's in a bad place? You ever trusted in God's promises and you just find you're still in a bad place? God, I don't know what you're doing. There was that anointing that happened. Man, there were some great victories along the way. I thought we were headed somewhere. Why is this happening? I'm being chased. What did I do to deserve this? All I try to do is trust you. I didn't even take, I didn't even take control of Saul. I could have killed him. I didn't even do that. And now he doesn't want me. The enemy doesn't want me. I've lost everything. My own men talk about stoning me. God, I, I don't know what is going on. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Because here's what happens. <laughs> here's what happens in that moment. David turns to the Lord. It says, David found strength in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord. In, in several chapters, this is the first time we see, and David inquired of the Lord, and David inquired of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways, acknowledge him. There's an acknowledging of the Lord. David is acknowledging the Lord. Discouragement led him to make poor decisions. But God said, oh, no, 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 no. I got grace. You're not going to be away from my plan. Will you turn back and acknowledge me? Will you acknowledge me? Will you inquire of me? Will you call upon the name of the Lord? Will you begin to call upon me? And he begins to call upon the name of the Lord. And God begins to direct him and says, yeah, you know what? You and your guys go after them. I'm going to give them into your hands. And there's a great victory. And David is restored everything. And in the moments that follow that, and the days that follow that, that great battle that David wasn't a part of, that David didn't get to be involved in because God continued to close doors. When David tried other doors, when David was discouraged and said, well, I'm going to try this door, that door closed. I'm going to try this door, that door closed. Those closed doors protected David. And gave him the opportunity to see the victory that was coming. Something that only the Lord could do. And in that battle, both Saul died and three of his sons, including Jonathan. And it was a, a day to mourn. David mourned. David was not excited about this. David mourned. Why? Because he was trusting in the Lord with all his heart. But it was following that, what God did, that the appointing to the future that God had made to David when he was 16 years old came about. It was then that the appointing happened after a process of teaching David, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your steps. I'll direct your paths. I will make your path straight. God gave David the throne as he promised, but it wasn't without a process. And friends, you may be in a season of waiting today. Maybe you're waiting a long time. Maybe you're standing and you're wondering, God, are you ever going to bring about your promise to me? The fact is you can trust the process. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. You've got to trust the process. You've got to trust him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of things. I, oh, I don't understand. That's a good place. Lord, let me trust in your understanding. God, I don't understand. That's okay. You lean into the Lord. You lean into the Lord. You lean into the Lord. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. The book of James says that. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. You know what that comes after? It says take joy whenever you experience trials of many kinds. 
The testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you might be complete, mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Why? Because when we're in the midst of circumstances we don't understand, we can call on the name of the Lord, and God says, I will give you wisdom for that. That way, if you trust in me, your faith, you're not going to be like one of those back and forth, like the wind and the, and the waves of the sea tossed back and forth. See, that follows that in James chapter 1 as well. Don't get tossed back and forth by doubt and faith. Doubt and faith. Say, Lord, I don't understand. And begin to trust in the wisdom of the Lord. Come on, there's a whole sermon right there. Listen, God's got a plan. Begin to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him and let your faith be strengthened. Let your faith be strengthened. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And and we're going to close just singing about the promises and the faithfulness of God. God has done it. God can do it again. We're going to talk about the faithfulness and the promises of God. Well, let's bow our heads this morning because you might be in that place of waiting. You might be in that season of waiting. You're in that season of waiting, and you're like, Lord, I don't understand. Father, I know you, you spoke this to me. God, it says in your word, God, I'm waiting, but this isn't happening. I know when I stepped out in faith because you gave me this, you said this, but boy, this has been difficult. This waiting is hard. Father, help me. And you're in that place where you're saying, I need help trusting the Lord. I need help. I need wisdom. I can't lean on my own understanding. And today, right here, you say, I got to acknowledge you, Lord. I'm going to acknowledge Acknowledge you in everything. Acknowledge you in all my ways. I'm going to acknowledge you, Lord. I'm going to acknowledge you, and that's you today. You say, I'm in a season of waiting, and I need the Lord. I need the Lord in one of those areas. Will you slip up your hand today, Pastor? Will you pray for me? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everyone, Lord, in a season of waiting. Those seasons of waiting, Lord, are are difficult, but they're also the place, Lord, where you, you, you allow our roots to press into you, where we begin to press into you, and you begin to show us your character, and you begin to show us your ways, and you begin to reveal to us, God, your power, and you begin to reveal to us, God, your presence, and you begin to reveal to us, God, your, hey, Lord, you begin to reveal to us more and more of who you are. Father, your presence, your power, your protection. Father, there are a lot of paths. Teach us, Lord, to trust you with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways to acknowledge you, and you will direct our steps. Father, there are those that are waiting, Lord. They need you to direct their steps in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe today you're here and you know you haven't placed your faith in Christ. That's the first step. That's the first step. You want the promise, the abundant fruitfulness that God has. It begins by placing your faith in Jesus, inviting him into your life, asking him to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness to say, Jesus, I need a Savior. And if that's you this morning, you say, Jesus, I need a Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the Lord and receive his salvation today. Is there anyone today? Jesus, I need a Savior. I got to begin right there. Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your promises, your precious promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Father, let us be patient to trust you and do the work that you want to do in our hearts through your process. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.